0: Welcome, everyone, to the Cardano Effect podcast, episode 16. The purpose of this podcast is to take high-level developer information and projects that are occurring within the Cardano space and break them down into bite-sized, consumable pieces of information for everyday use. I'm your host, Philippe, and let's get this podcast started. So we do not have a special guest on the podcast today. It's just going to be Sebastian, Rick, and myself. But today, we're going to be doing a wrap-up. It's going to be a Q&A. So I know we've received a lot of questions to the Cardano Effect at Gmail com. We have compiled those questions and are going to be trying to get to as many questions as possible today. Please don't be offended if we don't get to your question. A lot of the questions are very duplicitous in nature, and at the end of the day, we only have so much time for this podcast, and we could we could make probably a three, four-hour podcast with all the questions that we have in our inbox. But please know that we're reading everything, and we, we hear you. We're trying to make improvements, and every day, it's a learning process, and every episode, it's going to get better and better. That being said, I like to shout out George on um, on on Reddit, and George is having a meetup in Georgia, the country, and it's going to be a Cardano meetup at Tech Park. And um, if you are in the Georgia region, please go visit that meetup and go meet some other Cardano enthusiasts. And I believe there's also another meetup that's happening in Washington, D.C., and Ruslan is going to be a guest speaker there, and I think that's all happening towards the end of the month. Go on Twitter or go on Reddit or go on Telegram, and you'll be able to find the exact dates. I believe the one in Georgia is happening. at the end of this week, and maybe the one in Washington, D.C. is happening at the end of the month, so in a week and a half. I'm not 100% sure, though, but um, you can verify on Twitter and Reddit. And with that being said, none of what we say on this podcast is financial advice or should be taken as such. You are your own financial advisor, and if you do not believe you are, please find
1: someone who is qualified to do so. All right. So with that being said, Rick, how are you doing today? Philippe, I'm doing great, thanks. Uh, It's pretty cold here in Virginia, USA, this time of year, but doing well other than that. So, what what we're going to do next is get rolling into the emails, but I wanted to say hi hi to Sebastian. Uh, This episode is about the emails and viewer feedback. I did get some viewer feedback where they said, Hey, I want to see Sebastian more. I want to hear from Sebastian. So, I want to say, Hey, Sebastian, how you doing?
2: Where you calling in from? Hey, calling in from my apartment in Kyoto, as always. You can't really see, but this is, you know, a very small apartment. I always think at some point I should upload a picture of my apartment and be like, you know what, guys, behind every Twitter account is, is a real person, and maybe if I post a picture of my apartment, people will, like, empathize more with me. <laughs> so I think you, you guys feel it also, where, like, in cryptocurrency, people are very vicious. Like, I think uh, I get less uh, angry messages than probably most other people, because I just uh, give people updates about the technology, but I still like, get like angry emails occasionally and like harassment occasionally. And uh, so do, do both of you. Sometimes I feel like I should I should post a picture of my apartment and be like, Hey guys, this is where I live. I'm a real
1: person here living in Japan. How are you? But uh, yeah. Hey, you're absolutely right on two points, Sebastian. I've been to Japan and you might actually have a large apartment for Japan, but every apartment in Japan is so small compared to the United States and Europe. Um, the, the places in Japan are very small. And also, yes, there can be some, um, I don't know, vicious feedback out there. All feedback is good feedback. It's just a matter of translating it, uh, a negative into a positive. But sometimes it just go, yeah, there's a human behind that Twitter account. So <laughs> something to think yeah, about. But other than that, I'm ready to answer some questions. So let's get right into it. All right, thanks Sebastian. Uh, so Philippe, I guess I'll start off with the first question here and then we'll we'll, we'll discuss that, uh, we'll put it in context. Sounds good. Okay, sounds good then. All right, so first email. Hi guys, first thing, I'd like to thank you for your show and everything you're doing for Cardano. I have a question for you. If I understand correctly for proof of stake, you place a number of ADA in an escrow account and you don't process a transaction properly, do something fraudulent, you lose that amount. If you process it properly, you earn rewards, more ADA, and the ADA you and the ADA you put into the escrow account. The questions are, what about when you join a staking pool? If the staking pool does something fraudulent, would you lose your ADA? How can you trust a staking pool? Thank you. I look forward to hearing from you soon. With regards, Cedric. Thank you, Cedric. We appreciate the email. So first, let's kind of frame the first part of the question here, very well framed, uh, is if... Is if I understand correctly, for proof of stake, you place a number of ADA in an escrow account, and if you don't process the transaction properly, or you do something fraudulent, you use that amount, you lose that amount. So, uh, Sebastian, would you like to take a swing at that and kind of describe to us how does that actually work?
2: Yeah, so I can answer to that. So I think the reason the person who asked this question is confused. Is because most proof of stake protocols do like they described. So you put your Ada or for example Ether into an account. So this is a system Ethereum uses or wants to use. You put your Ether into an account, and then if you do malicious behavior, your balance gets slashed. Okay, and you lose your funds. And this is your, your cost for your, for doing adversarial behavior. In Cardano, we want to avoid this. And the reason we want to avoid this is because we wanted to see if it was possible to make a system where the protocol does not explicitly slash your funds for doing malicious behavior, but instead the way the protocol is designed is that you have an economic incentive not to attack. Okay, instead of having your funds slashed, you will get less or no uh, ADA back, and so therefore you have no economic incentive to do an attack. Okay, and the reason we thought this is kind of more logical, is if you look at slashing rules in Ethereum or other uh, blockchains that propose uh, slashing conditions for proof of stake, it usually feels like a band-aid, right? They have some sort of, of case where they just can't get a good incentive for making people follow the right behavior. So they just put a band-aid. It was like, okay, if you do this, you just lose some money, right? And we want to avoid this band-aid solution. Instead of like, putting a ban on the problem, we, we want to step back, have a, a fundamental think about the problem, and then say, well, well if we design the protocol this way, we don't even run into this issue. okay? And so that's what we did. And so that's the incentive paper that Lars published, where they, they outline a protocol such that if you follow the protocol, then you will get the optimal amount of data back. And any kind of adversarial behavior, any behavior that is not the honest action will get you a lesser amount. And I think this is definitely the right way to go. I think it's the easiest to understand and it, it doesn't feel like some strange bandaid, right? So I, I think this is why, one of the reasons why I think Cardano's proof of stake, a protocol would be really good because I think for us, every we know that everybody will just follow the protocol if they want to maximize their output. Okay. For other blockchains that have these slashing conditions, they have to have this really weird analysis where like, okay, if they switch chains, they'll get their slashes funds, but is the amount they get slashed smaller than the amount they get from attacking the protocol? Maybe, maybe not. And they come up with random numbers like out of a hat. It's like, okay, maybe $100,000 is, is a good enough slash that doesn't incentivize people. Oh, well, but what if they do an attack that's $200,000? Then they still gain from doing it. And they have like this this really weird mental gymnastics to get around it. And then we don't have this problem. So I think that's, that's the first uh, part of the question. The second part of the question is related to trusting stake pools. Okay. So I think the other important thing to talk about in Cardano is that when you join a stake pool, you do not give your funds to the stake pool. You're always in control of your own funds. Okay. So this is different from certain other proof of stake protocols, where if you, if you stake with the pool. And they it's something bad, they may affect you negatively. We don't have that. Okay. So you, the technical term for it is, is non-custodial, right? You're always in control of your funds. And then the rewards for the stake pool are automatically distributed to the people who are part of the stake pool, which is also different from any other protocols. So if, for some other blockchains, the block producer gets all the rewards and then they have to manually give it up to people. Okay, and then there's a lot of trust issues there and we want to avoid that. So we say, okay, it automatically flows through. So you don't have to worry about trusting people. That being said, if you look at the way that the proof of stake protocol in Cardano works, there is a incentive for people who create pools to have a large amount of ADA. Okay, there's no technical limitation. Anybody can create a pool even with one ADA. But to avoid civil attacks. The more ADA you have as a pool creator, the more likely your pool is to be picked up by other people. Okay, that's like the simplified explanation. But what if you have a small of ADA, amount of ADA and you want to create a pool, but not just create a pool, you want to create a successful pool, all right? You would like to basically band together with a bunch of your friends. Like, you know, me, Rick and Philippe, we all have a small amount of ADA maybe, and we all, all want to get together and create a pool and uh, gather the, the ADA from the three of us and consider it one entity. Okay. That way, in the way the protocol works, instead of creating a pool, with a small amount of starting ADA, we'll create a pool with a, a combined, uh, amount of starting ADA from the three of us. Okay. And so this will give you a stronger pool, but we want to be careful in the way we construct this, because if if, if this is a too powerful construct, then nobody would delegate to the stake pool, right? I would just post on Reddit saying like, who wants to get together and create a stake pool with me will all be the stake pool owners, right? And we want to avoid that, okay? So what we ended up deciding to do is if you want to create a coalition for starting a pool, then the rewards are non-custodial just for the set of owners, okay? So that means if we create a pool with me, Rick and Philippe, as the, the three owners of the pool, then everybody who joins our pool will get their rewards automatically. But between the three of us, we have to decide how we want to share the rewards out of band, okay? And so that means that if we want to be a joint pool owner to bootstrap our own pool, we need to have a trust between each other. Because for example, Rick needs to trust me to give him the rewards. And if we don't have that trust, then we will not create a pool together. And so this incentivizes people not to be owners, to to always delegate the pools unless they really have a strong trust with a set people, and then they have a reason to bootstrap together. So hopefully that made sense the explanation. Now that was like really long,
1: but that absolutely makes sense, Sebastian. That was fantastic. As a matter of fact, we could probably name this episode Sebastian on Staking. That would be a good name for it. Um, but I. Totally get what you're saying. I saw in the Ethereum Casper paper about the slashing. So basically, in summary, Ethereum is using a stick, Cardano's in a carrot. So you got the carrot and a stick scenario. Cardano carrot, Ethereum's using a stick for slashing. <laughs> if it ever works. I don't know. Uh but yeah, great. So the next question in the in Cedric's um email was Before you get to the
0: next question, I'd like I'd like to redirect people to Sebastian's Twitter. Sebastian tweeted, I think 12 hours ago from the recording of this episode that people often ask me why Cardano is the first provably secure proof of stake. And if there are any other proof of stake coins out there, this is why if they don't have a proof, probably it doesn't work. So Sebastian, I'm, I'm with you. I think that we are going to be the first true proof of stake coin, even though there are other communities that claim that they're proof of stake,
1: but they're not doing it like cardano. Rick, the floor is yours. Thanks, Philippe. A uh, great point to bring up there. And I wonder if you still have that stack of papers laying around anywhere. Uh yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's right here. <laughs> hey, have you seen any emails um saying, yeah, we'll we'll measure up to your stack of papers? I, I haven't have, I haven't seen anything. The cardano effect at gmail.com. I haven't seen anything yet either. Uh, we're checking. We're we're checking email. I haven't seen anything. So the next question from Cedric, back on track. Ken, uh, he says, if the staking pool does something fraudulent, would you lose your ADA? And my answer to that is no, but you kind of got to define what fraudulent is. You keep, it's a no and yes answer. You keep your original ADA. It does not get slashed. However, what happens is, you will fail to gain ADA. And probably one of the most common things that I anticipate happening is the pool is not online when the slot leader is required to sign the transaction. And if that happens, if the pool fails to stay online and they don't sign the block when it's their time, you will not get the rewards. So one of the primary factors that I would personally look at is uptime. Um, What do you guys think?
2: Yeah, so inside both Daedalus and Yodoi, we will have a UI that basically allows you to track how well your pool is performing, and the rewards you get for the pool will partially be based off the performance. Okay, so when you sign up to a stake pool, you'll be able to tell from previous performance how well they're doing, how much you'll get from it. If at any point the performance of the pool drops, you'll get a notification about it, Either Daedalus or Yor- Yoroi telling you your staking pool is not doing well recently. Consider switching, right? So the reason that performance dropped, it uh, could be a, er, a variety of things. It could be that their network is not doing good. Maybe they shut off their machine, or maybe they're trying to do some adversarial behavior, and that's causing a drop in their performance. But regardless of what it is, the end result is always the same, which is users will get a notification, they'll move away from the
1: pool. And the pool will just drop in ranking and therefore a drop in the amount of blocks being created. Thank you, Sebastian. And I think you just answered Cedric's last question that says, how can you trust a staking pool? And that's part of yeah, it. Yeah, you don't. Right. So
2: you trust them to create blocks, you but you don't have to trust them with any amount of money. Okay. You just trust them to create blocks based off their previous performance and whatever trust you have and maybe the quality of their website or whatnot. If at any point you lose their trust, or you, you lose your trust in them, you can switch at any time. There There's no, like, locking period. You can just, whenever you want, you can switch to a different pool.
0: I'd like to add that if anyone, when, when staking comes out, if anyone is telling you to send ADA to their pool and they give you an address... Do not send it to that pool, so you're delegating, so unless you you could be creating your own staking pool as well, but I'm sure those scams are going to be uh, up and about.
1: Yeah, thanks, Philippe. That, I'm glad you pointed that out. Personal security is always number one, and we put that out on a program whenever we can, and that would be you know some sort of attack, a scam saying, oh, send me your ADA so I can stake it for you. Uh-uh, that's not how it works. So that covers Mr. Cedric. Again, thank you for the email. Philippe, would you like to cover the next one? Yes.
0: So the next uh, question is from Gel uh, or Jelly. Um, It says, Dear the Cardano Effect team, I love the podcast and will watch everyone here on out. I hope to come with questions myself. And here's the first one. Maybe it was already addressed. Is it possible to stake in pre-made pools from Cardano itself? More like an index on the stock market. Um, I don't have any friends yet that are interested in cardano and so I'm looking for safe alternatives so I can answer this question because it was answered before um, you're not trusting you're trusting the stake pool to do what they're supposed to do and stay online and create the blocks but you're not trusting them with your ADA so if you're looking for a main party pool if you're looking to stake with IOHK just because the name IOHk, I think that you may want to broaden your options because that's not always going to be the best possible option for your stake. There are going to be third party pools that are probably going to offer you higher returns in the future, and you need to move your ADA around according to how you how you deem fit, but you're not really sending your ADA to these third party pools, so there's nothing to fear
1: in that situation. I don't know if anyone wanted to add anything. The only thing I would add is what I anticipate happening is exactly what you said and What is the uptime of the pool? The higher the uptime, the better. Then once that pool mass exceeds a certain reward value, let's say a million people are pointed to a pool and then it goes up to 1,500,000, you might not get as much return on investment. So you might calculate and say, well, I can point to a different pool and earn rewards because of the lower number, even though they might have a less uptime, but we don't know exactly how that math is going to work. Experience will tell, but that's all I had to add. I think that was it. Thanks, Philippe.
0: No problem. And create multiple wallets and put your ADA all around and test it out. Send, delegate to this staking pool, delegate to that staking pool. That's what makes it decentralized. That's what makes it fun. If you hold all of it in one wallet, then you have to go all into one pool. If you have 10, 15 different wallets, then you can try all these different pools, look at your returns at the end of the week or at the end of the month or after at the end of the Epic, and then adjust according to that. That's my, that's my advice. And I, I'm not sure about what staking is going to look like.
2: Yeah. So staking to a pool is, it's just a, basically a transaction. So it's not expensive to stake to a pool. So if you find a, a set of pools that all have some interesting philosophy, feel free to try out a bunch of different ones. And it actually helps the network to be decentralized if, everybody gets a shot at being
1: a part of the protocol. Okay, guys. The next email is from viewer Don. The question is, enjoy your show. Just heard about a Cardano debit card available in South Korea. Might one be available in the U.S. soon? That's a tough question. Anyone want to take a shot at that?
2: Yeah, so obviously the MinApps Plus partnership is from Amerigo, and so that's kind of our project for now. CF and IYSK have both uh, shown interest in these kinds of projects. Not only CF uh, has claimed they want to do a debit card in the future, but obviously the CF is very busy with a, a variety of things right now. So I can't promise you anything in the short term. You'd have to ask the Cardano Foundation uh, about an update on this.
0: Sounds good to me. Sounds good to me. All right. Thank you, Don, for your question. So the next question is from Dave. He says, hi there. First off, big fan of Cardano and the podcast. Thanks for doing what you do. Well, thanks for the support. I appreciate that, Dave. We appreciate that. Wanted to see if I could help. I'm a information designer that has spent years developing classes and making the complex simple. Perhaps we can take a complex concept people want to learn about. I'd create the infographic and then you can devote one of the podcasts explaining it. If it takes off, we can do several and help with these concepts to the masses. I was waiting for the foundation to do it, but never happened, as everyone knows. Let me know what you want to connect, and we can brainstorm on the first topic. Well, I can answer this question. Everyone is free to make whatever infographic or whatever material that they want to make for the community. You're you free to do it. You're free to do it. You need to go to forum.cardano.org and... Um, Put your stuff there and the community responds and you can get good feedback. I mean, we can, of course, show your stuff on the podcast, dedicating the entire episode to one infographic or a series of infographics, I think is a little bit, a little bit much to to be honest, but, you know, we can definitely say what the community is doing, but we're not the, we're not the arbiters of Cardano here. This is just the Cardano podcast. Everyone is free to do whatever you want. And at the end of the day, creating a YouTube channel is also free. So if you want to put your stuff on YouTube and if you want to put your stuff on on Twitter, I'm telling you, the Cardano community will back you. They will back you. I, I know just the other day, someone made a, I forgot, they, they did the Alexa thing on their phone and they asked... Um, I think it was with Google and they asked Cardano what the price was. And one of those Google Butler programs and those voice activated programs, and it's being shared all throughout the community. It didn't start with us. It started with another community member. They put it on the forum, they put it on social media and it spread from there. So we are not the arbiters of Cardano. You're free to put out whatever information you'd like. Anyone want to add anything?
2: Yeah. If you're interested in design in particular, you may be interested in symphony which is a project by IOHK led by Richard Wilde, I believe. And they recently created a symphony forum, which is different from the Cardano forum, and they're actually looking for people to participate in the project. People who have some programming experience and some design experience. So if that fits your background, you may be interested in contacting Richard about this project and see if you can get involved.
1: Yeah, thank you, Sebastian. And one other piece I would add to that is that if you do have an infra- infographic design, um, there, there's currently a task force being assembled where you can provide inputs into that task force. So if you check the Cardano General Telegram and the Cardano Forum, you will find the links for building this task force for creating information graphics. And some of the graphics that they might need for example, a graphic that shows how a user would point to a stake pool and how that stake pool, everything that Sebastian just described 10 minutes ago verbally, that would make a great infographic as, you know, like a layout of how these stake pools would work and what the hive looks like. So yeah, there's some really good uses of infographics. And if ever we could use it on the program. We certainly will. We might not wrap an entire podcast around it, but we do have the screen sharing capabilities, and we can recycle the graphics. They can be used in the podcast and/or on the uh, the stake pool task force, who are creating training for ta- for stake pool users and stake pool operators. Uh, that's what the task force is for. So, yeah, Dave, if you can make infographics check out the task force and help them out. That'd be great. Thanks.
0: All right. Thanks, Dave, for the question. We appreciate it. And we look forward to seeing your infographics in the future. So the next question comes from Daniel and um, he says, your show is really good. I like it a lot. I would love to see a question asked to one of the big heads filled with high functioning gray matter. Okay. (laughs) The question is, How likely is that Cardano ends up being overtaken by another big blockchain project that could possibly also be developed based on peer reviewing and mathematically sound standards? Does a project qualitatively similar to Cardano exist today? And finally, what does interviewee think of the concept and Project Holochain? I know these are three questions in one, but they are fairly related. Thanks, guys. It would be amazing if... I could have all those answers. I'm sure that you'd be very interested in the answer as well. Um, That's a big question. I have no idea what Holochain is, so um, I I don't know. Is there a project similar to Cardano out there? I don't think so. I think Cardano exists in its own niche. Um, I don't know. Sebastian, Rick, did you want to input anything into that question?
1: I wanted to speculate on a possible answer. So the first, first part of the question where it says, how likely is it Cardano ends up being overtaken by another big blockchain project? It's really hard to put a number on that, but I will say this. Cardano has about a three year head start ahead of everybody else. So a person, let's say a giant company out there, a giant tech company were to go into GitHub and extract all of that data as of this moment. They would have to put together a giant team of Haskell developers, and it would take them, I don't know, a very long time just to get to the point to where the Cardano team currently is. So I would say the three-year head start is going to be difficult to overtake. It would take a lot of money and a lot of resources. I can't put a number on it, though. Any take on that, Sebastian?
2: Yeah, I would say the beauty of IOHK is the combination of the engineering effort and the academic effort. So there are projects out there in the space that have very strong engineers, but very few or no academics. And then there are other projects that have a lot of academics, but a few or no software engineers. Okay, and Charles has done a very good job at building up both parts of his companies in parallel and getting them to work together. And that's something that, I think IOHK is doing the best at that in this space. And so unless somebody else is able to manage these two dynamics in a way as well as IOHK has, I don't really see this happening. But uh, I think the the fear is not really a short-term fear. I think in the short term, there's no way anything's gonna come up that's gonna surpass Cardano uh, within the next few years but we have to think kind of in a long term, right? A problem that you can have with a blockchain is becoming complacent, right? We launch Shelly, we launch GoGo, and we have smart contracts. And then people go, oh, you know what? We don't need to change anything anymore. We're done, we're solved problem, and they go home, right? That's what we want to avoid with a blockchain. You have to be willing to adapt to the new technologies that come out, to the new research that comes out, and always be interested in innovating. I think that's really important. And this is one of the reasons why we wanted the treasury inside Cardano, right? So if the users don't know, Cardano will have a treasury in the future. So part of the rewards will be going out to anybody who wants to make a treasury proposal and the proposals will be voted on by the community. This is important to be able to continuously have funding to do more research and to turn that research into code. And as long as we have an ecosystem, a culture that really values novel research, novel implementations, and exploring what it, how we can push the boundary of the blockchain space, I think we'll continue to be in a good spot. So that, that's kind of my feelings on this.
0: That was a great response, Sebastian. Thank you. Thank you. And then we had Daniel Friedman a couple podcast episodes ago, and we were actually speaking to him about this exact topic. And Daniel Friedman said that you would actually have to probably clone all of the employees at IOHK and Emergo. So unless you find a clone for Sebastian and Philip Wadler and Charles Hoskinson, I think that
1: we're, we're in a league of our own right now. Yeah. And what I got from Daniel is basically when people are buying into Cardano, they're not just buying a token, they're buying a really good team. And to follow up on, the user had a question for um, the interviewee about the the Holochain project. I apologize. We can't speak for that. Um, there's just so many coins out there, but I did do a quick look up. It's holochain.org. You can look it up on there, holochain.org, if you want to look up more information on that to help answer your question so I can just point you in the right direction. That's all I got on that. All right, sounds good. Next
0: question. So um, the next question we have is from Jeff. I see today, so I, I guess this email was sent a while ago. I emailed today to see if the community has provided a response to DARPA regarding their blockchain request for information. Here are the details. I don't know anything
1: about that. I looked that up back at the time um, when DARPA came out with basically a request, they're interested in uses of blockchain. Uh, Sebastian, do you know any more about that? I don't know.
2: Yeah, this would be a question for Charles, because if DARPA was to work with anybody, it'd probably be IOHK right now. So I know IOHK has done uh, joint research with the U.S. government before. One of the papers they published, I think on payment channels was the one. I, I don't quite remember, but one of them had uh, the U.S. Uh, military as one of the other uh, funding partners for the project. So it's not unreasonable that uh, there could be more joint funding going forward and joint projects going forward, especially as IOHK is moving to the U.S. Uh, This would be a question for Charles and a question for IOHK. uh, Not so much related to Amerigo.
0: Correct me if I'm wrong, Rick. Um, If those people that are not familiar with DARPA, it's the defense agency, even if a blockchain project was working with DARPA, it would probably be under wraps. Am I,
1: am I correct, Rick? It depends uh, on how the technology is applied. But actual IPV, prior to IPV4, the internet protocol scheme was developed at DARPA. So don't be surprised if uh, they, they do something crazy cool with blockchain, it happens. <laughs> well, we look forward to that day. And hopefully, it's with Cardano. Yeah. And just to follow up on that statement, people say like so-and-so inter- invented the internet, so-and-so invented the internet. Well, DARPA's take on that was they created the scheme, the, the IP scheme and invented the internet. As far as I'm concerned, Alexander Graham Bell invented the internet.
0: <laughs> I like the sound of that.
1: <laughs> when he came up with Morse code, I'm serious. <laughs> Morse code over a wire. That was the first start of the internet right there to me. So anyway, the question was about DARPA. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, no worries. No worries. Okay. Next question is from Glenn. Thank you for emailing us, Glenn. He says, Hey guys, the one question you should have asked is why is Cardano not looking to partner up with MPASA? It is the largest payment system in Africa, just like Emergo did with MadeApps. Good question, Glenn. I don't know what MPASA is. Does anyone know what that is? I don't yeah
2: i'm I'm not an expert on Africa, but so IOHK has said multiple times they're open to any project in Africa, and they have John O'Connor who had on the podcast earlier uh well he's he's in Africa building partnerships right now so it it'd be a question for IOHK to see if if they've' if reached out to them, they may not be able to say if they do have an agreement or are working on something. I can't say that obviously. IOHK is looking into Africa, but Emergo and, and CF have also, you know, looked into various things uh, along with IOHK. And so everybody is uh, willing to to take any project into account. For Emergo, side, we have a very strong uh, chief investment officer called Manmeet, who you may know because he was at the Binance conference just a few days ago. And he gave a, apparently a very good uh, talk there, which I'm not surprised. He's a very good speaker. Uh, so if if you ever see Meet, this would be a, a question for him to talk about the
1: different potential investments in Africa. That sounds good. That sounds good. I just did a quick look up. Uh, it's like it's like a MoneyGram system. It's a it's a MoneyGram system in Africa supporting small businesses, actually supporting businesses. So you know how you can send money like through Western Union. It's okay. Kind okay, kind of like that.
0: Well, you know, uh, like Sebastian said, they have – John O'Connor is working over there and IOHK is investing money in that region. So, we'll see what partnerships um, matriculate with this w- with this endeavor, but um, time will tell. And John O'Connor said that 2019 was a big year for Africa, so we just have to stay tuned.
1: Yep. I wonder if the uh, Glenn's original idea when he sent that email is to basically have a payment mechanism that will connect – Cardano to the point of sale, you know, the point of sale at the register, the point of sale at the business. So not a bad idea, something to think about. Thank you for that, Glenn. I appreciate your email. Yes. So the next question is from Glenn.
0: So Glenn has another question and he's saying, hey, everyone is always talking, asking about adoption. Look at the Infinito wallet. You guys should have one go to the plus symbol then select tokens it is you it it used to be almost exclusively erc20 ethereum tokens now you see net5 which are neo tokens and eos i'm waiting to for the day that we see cardano adoption will not happen until the computation layer is live and i, I think that's a great point um he's looking forward to smart contracts and smart contracts will be a big deal um and we'll have our own standard. I don't know if they're going to be called anything different. Um, Sebastian, I don't know if you wanted to say anything about that, the nomenclature.
2: Yeah. So obviously Cardano will have smart contracts in the future. And in fact, we'll have multiple different platforms for smart contracts. So there's been a lot said about that in the past. I'm not going to uh, go over repeating it now. What I can say is that the plans for Daedalus is to turn it into a kind of an app platform. So Daedalus wants to be kind of the app platform for the blockchain and for Cardano. And if you're interested in the progress for Daedalus' transformation to an app platform, you can go to the weekly technical reports. that are published by IHK every week on cardano.org, I believe. And you can see every week they have a progress update on their work in Daedalus and the app platform. So Yoroi will also have, of course, uh, some interoperability With Yoroi, we're planning to be more focused on the financial space, and we want Yoroi to be kind of your gateway to the financial world, whereas Daedalus hopes to be your gateway to the app platform. So there'll be a few different options in Cardano. Obviously, any other third party, I say third party, but anybody, any other company uh, can join the space and create their own uh, wallet or their own platform with their own vision. The people behind Infinto Wallet are very passionate about Cardano. So there's no doubt that they will uh, support any tokens on Cardano within their app, Uh, but I can't speak to their vision and what they're going to do with their app specifically.
1: Yeah, and I'd like to add one more comment on that. The Infinito team was very responsive. Um, I did a video on Infinito and when they first introduced Cardano, people were very excited about it and they popped up on the Infinito telegram and Jack came in over to the uh, Cardano telegram, very interactive and uh, some people said, hey, can you support uh, Traxia? And at the the time, people that had their Cardano were looking for Traxia and it wasn't supported. And like Jack said, we're going to add it right away. And about two days later, bam, it was supported. So very responsive. Good to hear. Good to hear. Thank you for that question, Glenn. It was a good question. The next uh, question, the next email comes from Michael. He says, Phil- Philippe and guys, I have been a follower on YouTube for a while. Great job explaining Cardano and keeping the community encouraged. For me also, it is a long-term investment to be part of something big. We have a hodler here. He says, I'm interested in hearing you address my question. How does ADA stack up with the SEC is communicating to the crypto community as to what constitutes a security? Are we safe in this respect? Seems to be a big deal and it seems I've heard something at some point past that Cardano was done legally at startup to address such issues. Thanks for the opportunity to ask questions. So the core question there he starts off with is, how does ADA stack up with what the SEC is communicating as to what constitutes a security? Now I've uh, watched some stuff on that, but do you guys want to take a whack at it?
2: Yeah, I can talk
1: about this. So this is more of
2: a historical question because they're basically asking how did Cardano start and was it started correctly? Okay. So I think Cardano is actually one of the most transparent uh, blockchains for how it all started. So it's it's well known that it started in Japan. It was done through a KYC AML uh, system. So it was all done all according to Japanese law. The Japanese government has absolutely no problem with it. We've we, we followed everything. Uh, to the letter and not only did we do KYC AML it was also uh, helped with an independent uh, branch and we had oversight on it and we had everything distributed across uh, different entities nobody could uh, steal user information like it was like a- actually like very very solid and a lot of credit goes to Charles for that who really helped set up uh, the vision for how to do like the most compliant uh, pre-sale. and. You know, we ha- we're very transparent about the funding that went into it. In fact, if you go to cardano.org, I believe, there's like one of the tabs. It's like a pre-sale audit or something like that in transparency. And you can see exactly how much AIDOs hold, to uh, what kind of people, at what time. You can see like breakdown in like the amount they bought and their age and this kind of information. Anything we could put out without uh, basically revealing too much. It's all there. It's all transparent. And then uh, even beyond that, after Cardano launched, so obviously they had a pre-sale and then they launched later on. After Cardano launched, there was actually a tour around Japan to help people redeem their coins, okay? So certain blockchains such as EOS, right? They raise money with no real KYC ML, they just raise money. And then when it came to launching the project, they didn't even launch a blockchain and said like, okay, we raised the money, here's the code, kind of go figure it out, right? And we we did something completely different. We had a very legal, like follow the books kind of system with oversight and third party and and the whole thing. And then when the blockchain actually launched, we really wanted to make sure everybody who participated in the the pre-sale should have access to their tokens. So they went city by city, meeting the people who, who purchased and actually helping them set up data lists and because you know, some of these people obviously are familiar with blockchain but some of them are not so familiar with blockchain they kind of heard about it and they thought it was a good investment opportunity right same thing with with bitcoin right not everybody who who bought bitcoin really fully understands and so to make sure everybody understood they really went through japan and met the people and said okay this is data list and this is how you set up and here's how you redeem stuff and they have like a whole a whole process for it and a whole team to help people out so i think there's a lot of like a You know, bad rumors about like something like, you know, Charles is not a great person or whatever. It's like there's really strange like fictions of some people's imagination who have it out for Charles. Uh, But I think actually, like if you are looking to do like a pre-sale or an ICO for your own uh, blockchain, if you want to launch in the future, I think Cardano is actually a very good model for how to do a fully compliant uh, pre-sale and how to follow up in, in
0: a moral and, and safe manner. That was a great answer. Great answer. I learned some something new. I had no idea that they went in afterwards to different cities and help people with data lists and um, redeeming their vouchers. And like Sebastian was saying, you can go to cardano.org and click on Genesis block distribution and you have all the stats there. All the math is there and they even made charts and visuals so you know exactly like Sebastian was saying age distribution geographical distribution and what kind of buckets that they invested in how much money how many how much bitcoin did they put in towards the presale so everything is there there's no need to spread fud go to the website and check it out
1: yeah and as far as the part about a security and what constitutes a security The SEC has trouble defining that, and they are way more qualified than I am. I am not qualified to talk about finances, but I can read to you some of the more recent points that the SEC has made. So briefly here, I'll summarize the SEC chairman, Jay Clayton says that he wants to see better market surveillance and custody for cryptocurrencies before being comfortable with a Bitcoin ETF. Now, this is a CNBC news article from November 2018. So it is a more recent article around the time ETF was being discussed. The second point was, the agency has denied multiple ETF applications, citing risks of fraud and manipulation and the challenge of investor protection. I think that's a fair statement. Um, I totally agree with that point. And the third key point from the chairman, Clayton, was we've seen some thefts around digital assets that make you scratch your head. And I agree. Clayton said at Coindesk Consensus Invest Conference, we care that the assets underlying the ETF have good custody and that they're not going to disappear. So basically, the SEC is concerned about tokens vaporizing and just turning into worthless junk. Okay, I'm good with that. I guess we can move to the next question. Right on. Thank you, Michael, for that email. And Philippe, you got the next one. Yes. Uh, The next
0: question is from Tyler. Is it possible you guys can make an audio download of the podcast available? So I'm assuming that this question was asked probably a couple of months ago. I would like to have updates while going on my daily commutes. I'm going to pass this over to Rick. Rick, tell us about
1: the audio choices. Okay, so the audio choices are numerous. Um, now, I know I do a quick rundown on the service providers. At the beginning of the podcast, I tell you that it's on Google Play Music, iTunes, Libsyn Radio Public, SoundCloud, and Spotify. Those are the service providers. And so the apps that actually play it, what you do is you put the app on your phone and you point it to one of the service providers. So the apps that we are known to work with are AntennaPod, CastBox, Castro, Clementine, Downcast. Google Podcasts on Android, NS Player, OK Download, Outcast, Overcast, Pocketcasts, Pocketcast Addict, PocketCast Go, PocketCast Republic, Procast, Radio Public, Simple Podcatcher, Spotify, and Stage Fright. It's also streamable from the web from the CardanoEffect.io, and is also available natively on the Google Play Music app and the iTunes app. So uh, And the Spotify app. So some of the service providers also have an app. So there's two factors there. One is, where am I getting the music from? And the other factor is, what app do I have on my phone that is pointed to that service provider? And that's how you get the audio.
0: Yes, yes. And I'd like to add that it takes a lot of work to get all of this done. Shout out to Christian and Kyle They are working behind the scenes, making sure that our audio is on point and you're able to listen to it at the gym or in the car or wherever you want to listen to. But it does take a lot of work. And we have been listening to your request to try to get it on every single platform as as possible. So there may be some more smaller niche platforms coming out in the future. Um, Time will tell. But we can move on to the next question.
1: So uh, the next question here is the next email. The next email here is from the Nostradamus effect. And uh, I would say, that's cool. That's an awesome name. I like it. <laughs> okay. And uh, he says, hi, Seb, Phil, and Rick, please have a look at my uh, last video on satellite staking pools. And he had a video out on staking pools. And I, I looked through on that and I had a little trouble wrapping my head around exactly what was meant by the satellite staking pools. I thought that staking occurs on a computer down below, and then the satellite distributes the data, but I had a little bit of trouble wrapping my head around it. Does anyone want to take a shot at that?
0: So I wanted to say something real quick because I watched that video too. I thought it was a very good video. And um, I think um, uh, Charles actually addressed it in one of his recent AMAs as well. So um, I think it's a great idea. And the whole concept was to try to send low-cost satellites low orbit satellites and basically start running nodes on there, whether that be staking or relay nodes in the future and strengthening the network and making it even more decentralized. Because if you have satellites in space and and staking pools down on earth, it, it's pretty much Cardano can never get taken down. So uh, Sebastian, do you want to add anything to that?
2: Yeah. So I think I left a comment on that video. If anybody wants to go check it out, Uh, But basically, the concern with satellites is mostly just the latency, right? So if you think about what is the bottleneck for blockchains, why can we not increase a block size from 2 megabytes to 100 megabytes, something like this? The reason why is just latency. It takes time to get data from Japan to the States to Europe and back around. I think there are some animations that got posted uh, fairly recently that show how slow the speed of light actually is and how just transferring data is just not as fast as people might think. But I think at the speed of light, you can go around the earth seven times in one second, something like that. It's not that fast, right? And so if you have to take more time to go up to space and back down multiple times, then that means it, it may take more time to send information around which means you have two choices. Either you can make the time between blocks longer or you can shrink the size of the blocks. Okay, that's that's what you have to play with. And I'm not sure if people want to do either. So it probably makes more sense for the staking pools to be in a very uh, well-connected network, which usually means a wired network. So it does not mean they all have to be at the same physical location, because obviously that'd be really bad. But it would be good if there's like a fast, a connection between all of them through wires, possibly going underwater or whatnot. And then if you start to have to go up into space for every single stake pool and back down to the clients, uh, then it may kind of slow things down. So that's kind of the, the concern I had. But that doesn't mean it's not doable. It doesn't mean it's not a good idea for at least some people to have a staking pool in a location that cannot easily be controlled to just space.
0: All right. That sounds good. Thank you, Nostradamus. And we all say hello. So next question. Um, Rick, I will take this. Um, This is from Ken. So he says, hi, another point of common interest is staking rewards. I noticed a couple examples illustrated, but only for the first year, 2019. If you take your annual reward and add it to the initial amount and change the year to 2020, what happens is you have the higher balance in the new year and the interest rate is higher. If you factor this out to 5, 10, or 20 years, this puts you in the millions of dollars range, even with the modest initial amount. I don't think this is completely understood. I could be wrong, but that's what set me off. I think this game theory point makes it more valuable to hold onto it rather than spend. That's what dollars are for, which should make the value hit $10 $10 or more at some point, who knows when. This is superior tech, will likely do it. HODLers will want to hold and with a stable coin in the future, it could be built on top of Cardano. What do you think? I can actually answer this question because that staking calculator was created by Ruslan. So you can go ahead and check that out. It's, it's, it's linked all over the place. And um, it's not 100% accurate yet. The, the numbers not have not been finalized. He even says that as a disclaimer on the calculator website. So projecting it from years on after next year, it's going to even get be more and more inaccurate. And he says this, and it's going to be more accurate once Shelly releases, once staking releases, then you can get the metrics of what your staking rewards will be. Did anyone else want to add anything?
1: Yeah, I would only add that the calculator is actually pretty good. It's just what are the numbers we put into it. Once we know what those numbers are, uh, the calculator, it's like any other finance, just like fiat investments. You earn so much one year, the next year you earn more plus what you earned the year before. So it's a a building process. Sebastian, anything?
2: Yeah, I also want to add that I think people have maybe a misunderstanding of how interest works maybe so so people think of it from a, a perspective of just themselves so they think i'll get five percent more per year and therefore my percentage of the whole network will keep increasing but that's not true right if if we put out five percent per year and everybody is staking that everybody's stake goes up by five percent if everybody's stake goes up by five percent the price doesn't change the price of ada also will drop by 5% to, like, make up for it. Do you do you know what I mean? Yes. It, it all balances out. Yeah, it's called inflation. It,
0: it's, it's inflation. Yeah. If you want that, you need to go to the monetary – you need to stay within the monetary system because it just grows the same rate. You know, you put it in a mutual fund, they promise you the same returns year after year until – for hundreds of years, you know? So, it's – yeah. Sebastian, I'm sorry to interrupt you.
2: Yeah, so, it, like, people have a concept of proof of stake – where it's like the rich get richer because they put in maybe 10% of the network and next year they have a 11% of the network and next year they have 12% of the network. That's not how it works, right? If you have a percentage of the network and everybody's staking, your percentage of the network stays the same over time, right? This year you have 10%, which is maybe 100 ADA. Next year they have 103 ADA, but that's still 10% of the network. So your percentage of the network is not like increasing over time. If everybody's staking, your percentage of the network is staying the same. And therefore, if the amount of the supply and demand of ADA stays the same, then the value of your account also stays the same. It's not like you're getting uh, richer, right? So I think this is like a misconception a lot of people have, and this is why you get this like a uh, rich become richer claim and proof of stake, which is actually uh, not so accurate. I think probably one of the reasons that this mistake was really caught on is because a lot of early proof of stake systems. And also, I think the one uh, that's put forward by Ethereum is that you need a large amount of stake to be able to enter the system, right? There's a, a strong barrier to entry. Therefore, then it's more of a rich gets richer system because only the rich people could start staking and then they will be the only ones getting the rewards. But because Cardano has a system where anybody can stake with any amount of ADA, then everybody should be able to get the rewards. And therefore, everybody will be able to Kind of climb up at the same time if they want to obviously not everybody will stake right i imagine it'll be something like the checking savings account that people are familiar with right you have your spending account where you can use it to do daily purchases and you have your savings account which is where you put in all your staking uh coins into and so we'll see how many people end up staking but it basically Basically, it'll be like the the real world system in in banks, where if you have you know a rainy day fund, then you'll put in a savings account. Same way for Cardano, if you have a rainy day fund, you'll put in a staking account. It'll be kind of a similar system. And like another misconception people have is they they think like they'll become like millionaires off of staking. Like it doesn't really make sense, right? Because if you imagine a, a decentralized system. You need a monetary incentive to keep the network secure, but you do not want to throw away more money than is necessary. Right? So if you, if you imagine Bitcoin, Bitcoin spends, I think like over $2 billion per year, just to secure the network over proof of work, right? It's a huge amount of money, right? If you can just cut that by half and achieve the same amount of security, you just saved a billion dollars. And this is not like an abstract savings. This is a savings to people who hold Bitcoin, right? Because the, the that extra billion dollars does not go to every person who holds Bitcoin. It goes to the miners, which probably then goes to the electricity companies or something like that. So there's like a, a huge savings for them, right? If, if, they, if they were to be able to do that. So you want to get the rewards as small as possible, as long as people still have an incentive to secure the network, right? And so we're obviously doing the same thing with Cardano, and in this fact, this should be what everybody wants because, like I said, if if the reward is too high, then the people who are just holding Cardano are losing value in their coins because the value is being transferred to the people who are staking, right? Who are securing the network, and we don't want that. Right? We want everybody to profit, profit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we want everybody to be able to to hold money into the system and not have their money, uh, you know, slowly go down in value uh, due to securing the network, right? So the staking uh, profits will be, uh, you know, something that's whatever is necessary to secure the network. But we, we assume that because of the way our staking system is set up, it'll be very competitive and it'll, it'll drive down the margins to the point where most staking pools will not be making that much money. They'll be making enough money to have an incentive to run the staking pool. But if if people start with a staking pool start making like thousands and thousands like per day, then they'll decrease, their, there'll be a competition to uh, cut out other staking pools. So say you can join this staking pool, which will take thousands of dollars per day for you, from you. But if you join my staking pool, it's only like $100 or something like that and and there'll be a competition to lower the margin. And so we we assume that once it it all balances out and we get to a stable network the profit margin will not be uh out of proportion su- such as it is for other currencies like bitcoin.
1: Yeah, Sebastian, I'm glad you brought up all those really good points on staking in these questions because a lot of that's a lot of the underlying theme and a few really cool things that I've come to learn about Cardano is the staking process is going to be very fair you won't have to be like the CEO of a company to to perform staking you don't have to be like a super high end developer to perform staking at first you're going to have to understand the command line interface uh which I learned that on my own reading a book on how to use a command line interface um, on Linux and stuff like that. But with the rich getting richer, I mean, that's a good point too. In Cardano, you can stake or be a staking node no matter how much ADA you have. You can have a very small amount and if you, you can still run a proper staking node. I'll give you a comparative example. The last time I looked into Dash, and Dash is a very good cryptocurrency, If you want to run a masternode on Dash, when I looked into it, you would have to have at least $60,000 to run a masternode, or you would have to purchase $60,000 worth of Dash to have enough Dash to run a masternode. I drive a Chevy. I ain't buying $60,000 worth of nothing.
0: (laughs) At one point in the height of the bull run, it was a million dollars to to run a Dash masternode. So. I know things have decreased significantly over time. But you know, I know that people sympathizing with the investor who wants to maybe be in the system long term and wants to see the value of their their money go up. That's completely understandable. You have to be patient and you have to help secure the system. And you trying to make the system better, you trying to get involved with staking, you trying to strengthen the network intrinsically the value of ADA will increase over time. So, you know, like while you're not going to become rich off of staking, ADA will increase over time as people delegate their stake. They they are involved in that network and it becomes harder and harder to purchase ADA. The price of ADA will increase over time. I don't know when that's going to be, but mathematically that's what's going to happen. That's it. Yeah,
2: by the way, not financial advice. Yes, not financial yes. advice.
0: Yes, never. <laughs> <laughs> Rick, let's try to get out a few more questions.
2: I just want to add one more thing for that one. is So if, if you listen to this discussion, and for some reason you're just not convinced, I don't know how, I feel like it, it seems pretty obvious, but maybe that's just me. And if you're not convinced, I actually actually have a paper coming out fairly soon. Charles has teased it in, in Twitter, which is about... Uh, egalitarianism in blockchains and is it possible to create a, a fair system okay and in the paper they describe what it means to set up a fair system and a metric for judging fair systems and according to their metric they judge various cryptocurrencies on how fair they are with their distribution rewards so you can think of bitcoin as being really unfair because if you want to like become a, a miner in bitcoin it's like almost impossible right uh but some other currencies do do better and according to that metric in that paper cardano is, is considered like a perfectly fair system because there's no barrier to entry anybody can come in and be part of the system and get uh, rewards like anybody else so if 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 you want to have like a, a real mathematical breakdown of what we said you can go check out the paper see the metric they use see how it applies to different c- cryptocurrencies and kind of get an understanding for it. So that paper is not released yet. They are still working on it, but it should be released fairly soon, according to Charles.
0: Fairer system equals more usage from everyday people, equals higher consumption of ADA, equals strengthening the network, equals potential price increase of ADA in the future, not financial advice. Let's go
1: on to the next question. <laughs> I like how you did that. Thanks, Philippe. Okay, so, Uh, Continuing from Ken, he had a uh, last question in his email was, holders want to hold and then a stable coin in the future could be built on top of a Cardano. What do you think? And my take on that on a stable coin, I have heard a few experts comment on that, that a smart contract can be written to manage the stable coin. So basically there's a stable coin, a smart contract, as it sees demand increase or decrease, it would throttle the production or the lack of production to keep it at a stable value. Does that sound about right? Any other comments on that, Sebastian?
2: Yeah, Charles has an interest in stable coins, so I'm sure IOHK will do something about it in the future. I think Charles has said IOHK wants to look into it. Obviously, we hope that we will be an attractive platform for various reasons, and so other companies will launch stable coins on Cardano, We would also hope that in the future, we'll get kind of these uh, softly pegged cryptocurrencies to just die to also come to our platform. So I think we'll see that space continue to evolve in every cryptocurrency and
1: including Cardano. So it'll be exciting to see what happens going forward. All right. Good stuff. Thank you, Sebastian. And so the next email is from James. And James says, hi, can I restore my deadless wallet using the Rory wallet? The answer is yes. Of course I pronounced Euroi wrong. It's Euroi. Yes, you can. Uh, there are there are videos on the, the Mergo YouTube channel, and I have a video over my Digital Fortress YouTube channel on how to restore the wallet into Euroi. And James also asks. I have coins in my Daedalus wallet, but I'm having problems with syncing, etc., and need a solution. I need to move away from Daedalus because it's nothing but problems for me and my Daedalus is currently not working. I am hoping I can restore it in your help. Your help is much appreciated. Regards. And that was from James. And uh, James, yes, we understand. Um, we feel your pain. The, the 1.4.0 rule out, was there was a lot of painful stuff. Um I work on the community technical support forum as well. as Sebastian, Rustlin, Priyank, who's uh, at RDLT, awesome job on tech support. But one point four point zero has caused a lot of increase in activity on tech support. But uh, I don't I don't know, Sebastian. What's your take on that?
2: Yeah, so I can talk about uh, Yoroi's point of view. So when we launched. I mean, we just launched, obviously we represented 0% of the network at launch. Now we're up to Yoroi addresses, uh, comprising over 10% of the network, right. In just a short amount of time. So that means 10% of people have already successfully migrated their funds from Daedalus to Yoroi. We have a feature inside Yoroi such that you can uh, transfer your funds without even having to open Daedalus at all. And that's been a very popular feature for people who have run into issues. If you want to run Daedalus, that's okay. HK has a Tangle help desk, so you can contact the help desk with your question, if you have any. There's also the community help desk in Telegram, they also very responsive. There's a variety of, of people you can reach out to to, to get help on Daedalus. But if it doesn't work for you, uh, you can always migrate to Yoroi. And then if you want to go back to Daedalus later, that's always possible. You can take your Euroi account and send it to a Daedalus account in the future
1: if you want to go back to Daedalus at some point. Hey, Sebastian, you made me think of another question I gotta ask you. It's kind of silly, but uh, you said Euroi is 10% of the network. And what's interesting is right now, I'm looking at you on Chrome, on my Euroi wallet, Chrome. So there's you and there's my Euroi wallet. Does that count as being on the network right now? It's there, but it's not open. It's just the icon.
2: No, if you don't have the tab open, it's not activated. It doesn't run anything in the background. Okay. but uh, So when I say over 10%, I don't know the current number. You can check it out. In fact, Clio, which is a block explorer for Cardano, has the exact number. So 10% is from like maybe two months ago. So I'm sure it's, it's improved since then. But that represents 10% of the ADA, not 10% of the users because you can't tell how many users there are in the blockchain easily. So we can't really measure that. We can measure the amount of, of ADA in which kinds of systems. And so that one, we can measure and give a precise number. And if you want to see the precise number right now, you can go to Clio. And I, I expect that number has increased since then, because that 10% was from before we launched Treasure support. And I think since we're launching the Firefox and mobile Version soon. And then also, we'll be working on Ledger implementation. I think these exciting features will, will bring more people onto Toyota, So we should expect that number to keep going up as uh, Mergo does more work on this platform.
1: Wow, interesting. And thank you for that additional part of the answer to the question. So, from the email from James, did we answer everything from James? Uh, I think we did. All right. Thank you, yes, James. We did. Appreciate it. Okay. So, next
0: question. Um, We have a question from Kenny. And Kenny says, hi, everyone. I really am enjoying the show. I appreciate all the time and effort. Well, we appreciate you, Kenny. While I really enjoy the detailed breakdown of the network and its various components, I would like to hear a more foundational approach. More specifically, the economic theory that grounds the project slash protocol and how this compares to the existing fiat system as well as competing cryptocurrencies. I've had heard several on Bitcoin, specifically as articulated by Safedin Amus, I may have butchered his name, an, Austri- an Austrian economic- economist, and Caitlin Long, a veteran from Wall Street. Wall Street. How the store of value manifests over time, resulting in the other two, unit of account and I think medium of exchange. I see the modern tech approach. I'd like a clearer picture of how this becomes a currency. Incidentally, great news that IOHK is moving to Wyoming. Caitlin Long was part of the momentum behind getting that set up. Thanks for all you do. So I think the question lies in he's asking, how is Cardano going to become a currency? In essence, when taco. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Okay. No, actually, so let me kind of uh, isolate one of the questions here because this is very complex. And part of the question is how the store of value manifests over time resulting in the other two, the unit of account, and I think a medium of exchange. And so that's kind of like – it's, it's asking for speculation on how is Cardano going to migrate into becoming a currency, hence when Taco, that's how we simplify it. And uh, I'm not sure. I mean, I think, you know, currencies date back a long time ago. And to, I mean, it's back all the way to the beginning of human history. And you probably heard the story from Charles where he described a unit of currency was a giant rock and it weighed a ton. And it was used as a store value and it was used as a payment system and it was so big it would sink a canoe. And at the same time, like in the early days of the United States when it was still colonies, they didn't they couldn't coin money, so they used tobacco as a store of value. Um and they used certain products. There were certain products that were established and said, this is the store value. And whether you use tobacco or not didn't matter. You could use the trade. Instead of carrying a cow, you can carry some tobacco, I guess. I don't know. Well, you don't carry cows, you want them. But I think you get what I'm saying. So in the hit, there's a big history of money here. And this is a really complex question that is uh, really over my head. But people have used many different forms of currency, not just coin and bills, and of course now digital, uh, that have eventually over time became the medium of exchange.
0: Yes, this is a tough question because blockchain is is, an, is in its infancy and it's not necessarily the best use case right now to spend ADA. ADA is not available to buy stuff on Amazon Prime and um, on eBay and whatever store that you want to go to. But eventually, maybe there may be a use case for that. But like Sebastian was saying earlier, with ADA, it's going to be highly incentivized for people to have their checking account and savings account. Just like in the regular fiat system, you don't spend all your money. Some some part of the money, you just sit there and let it accumulate and you save it for a rainy day and that's your store of value and your savings account. And in your checking account, that's what you're using to spend for everyday goods, products, and services. So as use cases become more evident with Cardano, as people start building their smart contracts, as utility increases... You're going to be more incentivized to have that checking and savings account, and you're going to be spending that checking account in whatever way you deem necessary, whether it's to put some money with this dap or um, use it to, to play this game or use it for this use case or this use case or fund this project, whatever the case may be. And then, of course, you're going to have maybe your your store of value. You'll have your savings account where Mm -hmm. you just speculate on price increase. But right now, we're not at that point yet. And we're not at the point where cryptocurrencies have even stabilized in price. So this question is a very hard question to answer. Sebastian, I don't know if you wanted to input anything.
2: Yeah, I I can say that this is out of my area of expertise. So I focus on like the research and the technology and you know, every day I, I try and learn more about math and computer science to, to know this domain really well. And so I, I can give my opinion about, like, the economy and whatever, but I'm not an economist. That's not my area of study. And I'm sure if I have an opinion, probably somebody who's listening to this program would be like, oh, come on, like, he clearly didn't study, like, whatever book by this person. And it's because I didn't. That's not my major. So I, I, I try and just focus. On what I know, which is the research and the development, and try and
1: not—I—I I leave the, like the economy side to the people who study that. All right, thanks, Sebastian. And one last point I'll—I'll I'll make on this answer from Kenny is he says, incidentally, great news, my IHK moving to Wyoming. Caitlin Long was part of momentum behind getting that set up, and I'm really thankful for that information, Kenny. Uh, because it's always good to know who's really supporting you out there. That also goes along with the question from about the SEC earlier. There is a board member on the SEC. I can't remember her name, but she is pro-crypto. And I mean, I guess they can't advocate it being on the board, but they can be not destroying it, I guess is one way to put it. But it was it's good to hear uh, You know that the IHK is moving to Wyoming. I think that's going to be interesting. I don't know what's going to happen, but... Thanks for pointing that out, Kenny. All right, so we'll go on to the next one, Philippe. They're ready for this one. All right, so we have uh, an email from Philip Cooper, and he says, firstly, I have to say your podcast ideas have been bloody awesome for the Cardano effect. Thank you, Philip. We appreciate that. Well done. We love you for coming together to do this. I just hope that Cardano will pay you for your efforts. This is going to be so good for Ada, and I am addicted to waiting for your next podcast. Below, I have some questions you can talk about on your show. So he has a lot of stuff in there, and it uh, goes into the questions. Uh, but first of all, what I'll address is he says that I hope that Cardano will pay you for your efforts. Well, okay, it's it would be tacky of me to discuss something like that, so I'm not going to do that. But I will say. The podcast is sponsored by IOHK, we have a sponsor. I have other sponsor letters out, Philippe and I have written letters to other organizations and said, would you like to sponsor our podcast? So there you go, for for transparency's sake, I'll go ahead and put that out. The podcast is a, a lot of work um, and it's a lot of fun and I really enjoy doing it. It does take some time and effort and having a sponsor is, it helps make up for the work we put into it. Is that fair enough Philippe? I mean, that sounded about right? It's fine by me. Yeah. Fine by me. Yeah. I mean, it takes some work and it's nice to have a sponsorship to make it worth your while, I guess, but one day putting it. So let's go on to his other questions here. He brings up a good point there. Philip, thank you. Um, So he says, firstly, how safe is the Daedalus wallet? I want the safety of a cold storage wallet. All my ADA is stored in the Daedalus wallet. Is this wallet as safe as cold storage wallet? Or is there risk? I keep all my ADA in the wallet for staking when it comes to my question is, I own a Trezor. Thank God ADA is about to have Trezor support, which it does now. So good on that. And I'm using it with your Rowie. It works well. And my main question to the podcast team is, will we be able to store our ADA offline in our Trezors for extra safety and still be able to stake from our cold storage devices? That's the question. Can you store offline in the treasure and still stake from the cold, cold storage device?
2: Yeah, that'll be totally possible. And so if you read, so this is kind of a, a complicated question to answer in detail because we have you know, documents that are like 50 pages long explaining exactly how this works and why it's secure. Uh, But the the simplified explanation, which is for the end user, is that you'll have a payment key and a staking key, okay? And you can have your staking key offline in a cold uh, storage system, and we call that cold staking, whereas your payment key is still hot. And then you can also have both of them in cold storage or, or various other setups. And this is one of our requirements for uh, stake pools in Cardano. So we didn't want to launch Shelly until we had a very solid story for this because we want stake pools to essentially be able to have their staking uh, safe in an offline storage. And so I'm sure uh, more details will come about this as we get closer to the Shelly release to have a really a clear explanation for all how this works to all the users. It's going to be slightly tricky. I'm not sure if tricky is the right word, but there'll be some learning you have to do as a stake pool operator, because we will have a key evolving signature for the stake pools. And so you'll have to know uh, how that works. And I'm sure IHK will have some sort of, of manual for you to go through and really understand how it works. But the, the, the short answer is yes, it'll be possible.
1: All right, cool. Thanks, Sebastian. And in an effort to keep with time and still get to everybody's questions, I'm going to roll through the next one. The question, again, from Philip is, will there be a proper dedicated app wallet for mobile devices in the future to be able to spend our ADA that you guys have heard about? And will there be ATMs? The answer is, for the first one, mobile devices is yes, Euroi is coming out. Isn't that soon, Sebastian? Or, well, soon is relative. Yeah.
2: Yeah, so we we have the Android and iOS versions. The code is complete. You can already download it from our GitHub if you're impatient. We're currently working on getting them set up with the app stores. And so hopefully you should see that soon.
1: Yep. All right. Thanks for that answer. I know what you mean, Sebastian. Like we're we're working on getting uh the podcast launched on iHeartRadio and it takes time. They gotta review the content and make they gotta approve it and let us know but yeah it takes time to to do that kind of stuff so uh uh will there be atms in the far distant future i heard cardano be introducing atms at some point i hope so (laughs) i don't know does anyone know that's an i don't know answer
0: (laughs) i don't know answer let's move on to the next one (laughs) i'm sorry i'm sorry
1: philip i could not that's an i don't know answer i heard about it too i feel your pain bro Okay. I better leave it there with my questions. All right. Thank you, Philip. We appreciate your questions. Thanks for writing The Cardano Effect. Uh, Philippe, you got the next one, sir.
0: Okay. Sounds good. Okay. So the last one, this last question for this podcast, it's going to be first, congratulations. This is from Patti, by the way. Um, First, congratulations for making this podcast live. Well, thank you. We appreciate that. And as a part of the community, your effort is really appreciated because there are many average people or new to cryptocurrencies who are new to cryptocurrencies who need need a clear understanding of technology that revolves around the community. Secondly, I have a few doubts slightly related to the mass adoption concept and a digital currency to become global. Is it possible for a currency to become global with other currencies existing parallel to it? If so, can ADA be one such currency? So I like to plead the fifth on this one as well, because this is an economist related question. So I'm on Sebastian's side. It's that whole idea of mass adoption. We don't know exactly what's going to happen, but please rest assured that Cardano is going to be, ADA is going to be interoperable with other currencies and it's going to be interoperable with maybe some fiat as well. So hopefully that partly answers your question and in usability and access to it living within a parallel system between fiat and maybe other cryptocurrencies as well. Rick, did you want to answer?
1: Uh no well there's a few things I can add to that uh, and that is you got to define what you think mass adoption actually means. Um, that right now there there really is no global currency except to say well the U.S. dollar is used as a benchmark, but uh there are hundreds of currencies throughout the world. You know every country that has a border has its own type of currency um, except you know the EU recently went to the euro. Well, recently for me, maybe not you guys, but uh, you know, we, it, we we did a episode on mass adoption, and you got to define what you think mass adoption is. Uh, and I think the day that we are no longer discussing mass adoption and we're back to talking about what am, what am I going to purchase with my money, then mass adoption has occurred. It'll, it'll be. Transparent. All of a sudden, one day it'll be like, "Oh, well, we don't talk about mass adoption anymore because it's being used." I guess that's my take on it.
2: Yeah, I want to talk on the global part of it briefly. So I, I think we're already at a global system, right? I I'm in Japan. Both of you are in the U.S. Obviously, we have a lot of people in Europe, different countries. IHK has people working for them in many countries. They have stuff going on in Africa, in Australia, in Argentina. And if you look at where Charles has been in the past year, he's just all over the globe going to events uh, all across the world, talking to people about Cardano and really building a global movement. And then also at Mergo, we're also uh, pushing very hard on this. So one of our goals is uh, to build a global Cardano. I think we've been doing a really great job of doing that. You know, talking to businesses in a bunch of different countries. We have our Accelerate program in New York that's launching soon. And for our Accelerate program and our fellowship program in New York, we're having people come in from all over the world to build on Cardano. Even just me, I've been to quite a few different countries since joining Emergo, Always, you know, going to developer events while I'm there, uh, helping uh, build a global community, helping. Uh, build a developer ecosystem around Cardano. And so, so I would go as far as to say, we're already a global system. We have reached in countries, like I think people would not even imagine, like, you know, the fact that Charles went to Mongolia and he met with, you know, people in the government in Mongolia and they're all passionate about working with Cardano. Like most projects in the world cannot say like, oh yeah, like the Mongolia government and the people in Mongolia are interested in their project, like usually that's, that's just not a thing but we we've reached this like global spread of our project. And we're still working on it uh, both at iOSK and at Emergo. So I would say you know don't don't think this is like a, a movement just in your country. This is not just the US thing. it's not just the Japan thing. Uh, we are global companies working in a global market uh, building a global system.
1: Hey, thanks for that input there, Sebastian. And also, you probably noticed in your travels, uh, you, you've you've went down to South America earlier this year too, didn't you? But um, when when you travel and you use cash, you have to convert your cash. When I go to Japan, I got to get yen. You go to another country, you got to get the local currency. With the Plutus Fest, we had to get the local currencies there. But when you use your Visa card or your your credit card, it just works. So cryptocurrencies, if if they're parallel to the credit card, if the technology is compatible, if you have an ADA card that you can use in South Korea, you could use that same ADA card in the US. And uh, mass adoption, or one other thing, one other note on mass adoption is if each person decides to use it as individuals, and then it kind of percolates up. I don't think any big country is just going to say, you know what, we're going to we're going to use ada for doing business with other countries until the population of that country decides that they actually want to use it on an individual personal level and that's just my take on it so
0: well guys i think it's about that time this uh, we gave them more than an hour today it was, a, it was a marathon today, but we got through almost all the questions from our email. So keep on sending emails to the Cardano effect at gmail.com. We appreciate your support. Please click the subscribe button. It helps us a lot. We're really trying to push the message forward. So any person that's interested in Cardano in the future... Knows how to get to the Cardano Effect podcast. We are reaching out to guests as we speak. We have a we have a nice lineup coming up. So once again, we don't we can't promise guests every episode. People are busy, but we're trying to coordinate schedules. And um, until the next episode, Sebastian, if you wanted to leave us with the final words and tell us maybe about the Japan Blockchain Conference that you're attending next week, and maybe we can wrap that up.
2: So. Basically, all of Emergo, not all the company, but the overwhelming majority of the company will be in Tokyo next week for the Japan Blockchain Conference, which is the largest conference in Japan for blockchain uh, companies and, and this kind of stuff. And Emergo is going to have a big announcement there that we've been planning for a while. So I'm super excited, super excited also to meet members of the community. A few different people have reached out to me saying they're they're also going to the event. So I'm excited to meet our our business partners, members of the community. It's going to be great. And I think uh, people will be able to see the presentations online after the fact. And we'll obviously have our own blog posts and videos after the fact kind of showing what happened. So I think this is a very exciting thing to look forward to both us as a company, but also uh, the ecosystem in general. But there's always stuff going on in blockchain. So we've always have a lot of content coming out. So if you want to stay up to date with the content, you know, follow Cardano Effect, follow Emergo, follow K. We're always just blasting out so much information. There's so much going on that uh, it never hurts to be up to date.
0: Sounds good. All right. Thanks, everyone. Bye.